Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Harper, senior editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, with you for another episode of the Pittsburgh Steelers postgame show. The Steelers, they didn't lose. They didn't win either. They tied 16-16 to against the Detroit Lions in Week 10. The guy to my, I guess, on your screen, my left, right? I don't know. Uh, Dave Schofield was on my couch watching the game with me. <laughs> Dave, what's going on, and what are your thoughts on this game? Um, That was ugly. Yeah. You don't deserve to win games when you are minus three in turnovers. You definitely don't deserve games when you are minus two in turnovers in overtime. These are games that you should lose. The fact that they didn't lose was unbelievable, but still, when you even the tie, it, it feels like a loss. Definitely does feel like a loss, uh, and rightfully so. The 0-8 Lions come into town, but the Steelers, boy, did they have uh, some stuff go not go their way. We'll put it that way. Ben Roethlisberger, as we talked about yesterday on our podcast platform, uh, he was out with on the COVID list after testing positive. Um, on top of that, a slew of injuries for the Steelers um, that came from this game. TJ Watt with a hip and knee. Uh, you had, I believe, I'm trying to think, I, I could look at the article I wrote, but I don't have it in front of me. Uh, we also had two offensive guards go down, uh, yep. Dotson and Turner with an ankle, and Joe Hayden with a mid-foot sprain. Dave, what do you think about these injuries? That, that, that adds insult to injury. <laughs> insult to injury, yeah. <laughs> um, the, the two guards is just, that's just one of those things where it's like, of course they're going to have two of their three interior offensive linemen and probably the two that were playing the best because based on some things that happened otherwise were the two that went down because the Steelers only kept one backup for this game. They chose to have Zach Banner active, give him a helmet just in case they might've wanted to slide him into tackle at some point if anyone was struggling. And instead that leaves Joe Haig having to play guard. Now I know he's played guard in the past. I have no idea how much he's played guard in all honesty. So not the idea situation would have been nice to have BJ Finney really at that, at that point, it didn't matter. It was just the whole idea, not more of the personnel was like, of course, the game that the Steelers only have one reserve there, they're going to lose two guys. That That's just how, how it's going to go. I mean, TJ Watts injury looked bad. Then he's, you know, out of the blue tent and holding his helmet and running around. And the next thing you know, we're told it's a hip. Um, injuries man it was it was brutal i ended up how much of the game did i have to miss because i kept having to write all these injury articles it was it was ridiculous well and the thing is too is that you you look at the injuries that were sustained and it makes this tie even worse if you were somehow able to find a way to win this game even if it was an overtime win where you kick the game winning field goal you leave with a win and you're thinking okay well at least even though they sustained injuries they were able to notch that win and they were to keep that streak going but they weren't able to say that the Steelers at 5-3-1 and one now. They do not claim first place in the AFC North. They remain in second place. Um, it's, it's, it's just a, it's a crazy game. It reminds me of the last time they tied in 2018 Week 1 against Cleveland when they played against Tyrod Taylor. And it, you just, you're left wondering, like, what, what in the world was that? Like, that's my knee-jerk reaction is, what was that? There were a lot of things to talk about in this game in terms of um, offense and defense, and we're going to get to all those. Uh, let's first talk about the offense, as we always do in part one. Let's get right to it. Mason Rudolph, we always start with the quarterback. 30 of 50. He threw the ball 50 times in that weather. That's something we're going to talk about here shortly. 
242 yards, a 4.8 average, one touchdown, one interception, zero sacks, was not sacked for a rating of 70.6. It also should be noted Rudolph rushed for four, four rushes for 36 yards with a long of 26. Okay, Dave, not don't have to grade it, but what do you think about Rudolph's game? I don't think Rudolph lost the game for him. Um, if you if you know what I mean, well, they didn't lose the game, but it's it sure does feel like it, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, it, it's not that that that's yes, the offense might not have been the same. There, it was a lot of different factors, and he, over you know the, the high passes, and then after he has a high pass, then you know he skips one in. It was almost like that, but then again, at the same time. That was crappy weather. That was really crappy weather to throw the ball 50 times. And that's why sometimes we're like, could they have just ran it a little bit more? Even if it was running it with Rudolph, he wasn't he wasn't afraid to, to get in there and mix it up and run somebody over. That might have been a little bit nice. But uh, it's it honestly, other than the 50 attempts, it's kind of what I thought the Steelers might might get from Mason Rudolph probably going to turn the ball over once, um, you know, try to do his best to manage the game. It's just, it, it wasn't enough to get a victory. Yeah. Wilson Pava gives us four ninety nine. Thank you for the tip. He said, Mason is not the quarterback of the future. Just glad it's not a loss. Hopefully Muth doesn't let the fumble get to him. Got to hope injuries are minor on to LA. Yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not sure if anyone after 2019 viewed Mason Rudolph as the future. Um, I think that Mason Rudolph is a capable backup quarterback. I'm pretty sure most would agree with that. But let's go ahead and talk about some play calling here because Dave Shipley gives us $5 at first and five of the goal line, not running the ball. Now, Mike Tomlin was asked about this in his post-game press conference. said they had a run-pass option out there. But, Dave, just in general, the Matt Canada play calling, I know we were sitting there watching the game. I had some questions, but what were your thoughts on it? Well, I don't know that I want to run an RPO there just because if you really want to run the ball, don't give your quarterback the option to pass it. That would be the only thing of what I would say there. But I also don't blame them for doing the RPO. But the way that, I mean, when Detroit's playing six defensive linemen there, then that's the option. But if you're not going to run it, you've got to execute the pass. And they didn't do that either. So it just... I wouldn't, some people are like, oh, the play calling. I don't think the play calling was terrible. I think they were doing what they needed to do um, at times. It just, it, it wasn't great. I mean, they marched down the field and scored seven points the first drive, and that's the only touchdown of the game for them. You know, that's the disheartening thing is that it didn't, it, it didn't continue to, to grow on other things other than, you know, they had another touchdown that was called back on, I mean, you could call that holding call on every single offensive play if you wanted to, and they chose to call it there to bring back a touchdown. So I play calling was just – I'm not saying it was terrible, but I'm not saying it was great. I'm saying it was eh. My, my issue was the 50 to 31 run-to-pass ratio yeah. in weather like that with a backup quarterback. Uh, and, and Najee Harris, we'll talk about him in a second, he averages four yards a carry in this game. I believe that was his best yards per carry of the season. And you only give it to him 26 times. And I, I understand that everyone's like, well, that's still 26 touches, but he's obviously running well, you know, he is running well, but yeah. here's a good question. And this kind of ties in with the offensive loss. We were talking about 
Uh, B meant low. I guess I said that correctly. I'm sorry if I didn't. Five dollars is the tip, and thank you very much. Do you guys think Green should move to guard and get a true center? I, I think that the answer to this question depends on the severity of the injury, uh, to especially to Dotson. I feel like Dotson's was, I guess, at least on the first reporting, was more serious. They said he had to be carted off. Um, I'm not sure if it was out of the stadium or whatnot, but Kendra Green does have p- position flexibility, but he's also a rookie. Like, let's keep that in mind. Um, having him go to a different position might be extremely difficult. And they do still have BJ Finney. But if the, the question is, you know, Dave, what if they don't have either guards available in week 11? You know, what do they do? So what do you think about that, Dave? Well, they've got one on the practice squad. And yeah, I, I don't know. As fast as Kevin Dotson was ruled out, I'm worried about that one. That's the one I'm worried about yeah. the most. Um, but to answer the question that was brought up, to me, that is a fantastic question to ask ourselves in March. You know, is Kendrick Green the answer at center, or does he need to go to guard? I don't see them doing making that change mid-season. I mean, there's a chance that they could, but I don't know that that's the most pressing thing right now. I mean, it was raining hard. It real. I mean, I you could see it on TV. We'll have to ask Bad how miserable it was with him there. Boy, I I, I picked a, a winner of a game to have him go to. Yeah, he did. But uh, but still, you. You can't make excuses. You've got to get it done. So I don't know that making the move right now, I don't know that he could service, be, be that serviceable a guard because he's been so focused at center right now. That's why I think if there's going to be a move, they might need to make that call in the offseason. Yeah, and obviously Kendrick Green had a couple of high snaps, none more <laughs> egregious than yeah. the, the third high snap that sailed over Rudolph's head and Najee Harris was able to recover. It was reminiscent of the wild card game last year when Pounty on the first offensive play snapped it over Roethlisberger head and resulted in a touchdown for the Browns. But the Steelers had every opportunity to win this game and they literally shot themselves in the foot repeatedly, whether it was the high snap by Kendrick Green, whether it was Deontay Johnson's fumble in overtime, whether it was Pat Fryermuth fumble in overtime, just some really inexcusable play for the Steelers when it mattered the most so but let's continue down the box score here let's go to the running game Najee Harris finishes 26 for 105 four yard average 12 yard long did not hit pay dirt should have but didn't uh, it was called back by holding he Mason did, Rudolph. but he yeah. didn't Benny Snell had one carry for four yards and I said Mason Rudolph four for 36 the Steelers on as a team rushed 31 times for 145 a 4.7 yard average day the running game what do you think I think the running game was fine. I wish they would have leaned on a little bit more. But as our our, our main guy in the live chat, I'm trying to find his, his comment. I probably can't anymore. Um, the artist formerly known as Solarverse, known as Bully Mob Kennel, said, do you think Najee's ankle was bothering him a little bit the way he was running at times? Maybe they were afraid to lean on him too hard and they didn't like their other options at the position. So maybe that's why they're throwing the ball 50 times in a game where they have to play 70 minutes because of that ankle foot or I mean, foot, foot, ankle. I can't remember. I, I, I can't even remember because it was it's from Thursday, you know, that maybe that was, that was part of the issue. So, I would, if so, that's just another one of those, you know, terrible things all coming together to make a bad situation. Yeah. When, when, yeah, the running game, if you're going to give it to him 26 times, you clearly are not concerned about the foot. I feel like if, if it was a serious or significant foot injury 
or something you were concerned with, you either weren't going to play him or you would be splitting those carries more with Benny Snell or, or Balazs, one or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, Tyler W gives $2 said fans who predicted a loss should be mad with a tie. Shouldn't be mad with a tie. Oh, shouldn't be mad with a tie. Yeah. So yeah. if you, if you thought the seals were going to lose when you heard all this stuff going on, going into the game, then the fact that they tied, you should be happy. That's his yeah. point. It, but let's add, let's add, since they brought it up, is a tie better than a loss in this situation, Dave? I mean, yeah, it's half a from, win when it really comes. Point it is. So the standings. I mean, and I know what we're saying is the emotional reaction. This, I mean, to to me, this Steelers team probably it feels like a loss. It probably feels like, a, and I don't mind it feeling like a loss. But I mean, by the numbers, you get a half of you basically get a half a win. That takes tiebreakers off the table when it comes to everything with the Steelers. Now they're honestly their division record doesn't matter. Their conference record down doesn't matter unless somebody else ends up with another tie in there because it's going to come down to they're either going to be a half a game ahead or like a half a game behind. We're right back to 2018, 2018 all over again. Yeah. The Steelers are the tiebreaker now. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, let's continue on to the receiving core. Deontay Johnson, seven catches on 13 targets for 83 yards. He had a long of 36, and a, a, again, that critical fumble in overtime. Might have ended that. That might have been the the drive that ended the game, believe it or not. Ray Ray McLeod, nine catches, most by the Steelers on 12 targets, 63 yards. Pat Fryermuth, five catches, nine targets. He did have a really bad drop, and then he also had a fumble. Uh, He had 31 yards, in case I didn't say that. Najee Harris, four for 28 on four targets. James Washington, two catches for 15 yards and a touchdown. Uh, that was six targets. You thought at the beginning of the game that Washington was going to explode. I mean, that first drive, they hit him early, hit him often. He scores a touchdown. After that, pretty much nothing. Eric Ebron, two catches for 13 yards on two targets. Derek Watt actually had a catch for nine on one tar- one target. So, again, well, let's talk about the pass catchers here, Dave. What do you think? I mean, nothing that outstanding. There was, you know, a few drops, but you're going to get drops in the rain. Um, I would say there would have been drops on both sides, but Detroit didn't throw the ball enough to really drop it. Um, they, they, they really didn't come through, especially, you know, two of them fumbling the ball away. That's, I mean, this is where you would give this group like an F just because you got to finish. Yeah. Yeah. It, this is a, this is a game. We've all seen these games before where you need big players to make big plays. Then you need players to step up, whether it's offense, defense. I think defensively pretty much uh, that happened. We'll talk about the defense in the second part of this podcast, but I believe like that did happen. But on offense, I didn't feel like it happened. You know, you had moments where you get the ball and technically, and most would say your best wide receivers hands and Deontay Johnson making plays, trying to make plays and, Fumbles the football. Pat Fryermuth, who's been one of the more reliable pass catchers on the team. Another fumble. Uh, you talk about some questionable decisions by Ray Ray McLeod as well. So it's it's definitely a head scratcher um, on offense. But nonetheless, let's talk about the offensive line. Like I said, they didn't give up a sack. They did rush the ball for over 140 yards. Uh, Dave, if you're assessing the offensive line, what do you think about that? Well, I mean, you had some costly penalties. You had a horrible snap when you couldn't afford it, which anytime it's a horrible snap, you can't afford it. Uh, but in all, they 
they weren't getting Mason Rudolph killed and they were running the ball, but this isn't a very good defense either. So, at, so at the same time, you're like, it doesn't, it doesn't look that bad, but it, but against who they were facing and the injuries they had on the lions as well, it, it, it needed to be more. And obviously if it would have been more, there's a decent chance they win this game. Well, I think that to me, I thought the offensive line played well, all things considered. You lose both guards. You have Joe Haig at yeah. right guard. You have a center, basically, let's say J.C. Hasnauer is essentially a center, playing yeah. left guard, and they're still able to run the football. They were still getting some push. They did protect. Uh, Mason Rudolph was obviously more mobile than Ben Roethlisberger would be, and that's expected. I didn't think the offensive line played poorly outside of the Kendrick Green snaps that you mentioned. Um, I, like I said, I'm, I'm really curious to see how this offensive line shakes out because everyone wants to see Zach Banner get in there. But Dave, you know, as far as I do, that the injuries, the injuries are not a tackle. The issue is no. not a tackle. It's guard. Yeah. So you have one in BJ Finney. I, I guess you roll with JC Hasnauer as the other. If you, if you're without both of these guards next week, is that what you do? It's what you got to do. I mean, it's like I say, I'm, I'm really concerned about Dotson. Um, I think maybe Turner, you know, I don't know the extent of his injury. He just all of a sudden wasn't there anymore. And, and that was, was at halftime, wasn't it? No, it was, it wasn't, it was, I thought it was wasn't right after halftime. Half it might've been. Everyone but it's was just, just like, wow, Trey Turner's not out there. What's going yeah. on? So I, I really don't know the extent of these guys, but I mean, that's what you're going to have to do. And you're probably going to have to try to at least get another one on the practice squad. If not on the 53 and it's, the Steelers are going to be kind of reeling from this kind of stuff, depending on how it plays out in the next couple of days. Yeah. Like I said, the injuries make this even worse than just the tie. And that's bad enough. It... Yeah. All right. Let's get this uh super chat up here. It's meet with 21. <laughs> yeah. Uh, five. Is that euros? Uh, I I, sure. Wow. Never seen more slapstick during an NFL game. It looks like a, a German GFL Division Three game. Greetings from Germany. I wish I knew what the GFL <laughs> Division Three was. Um, but you know what? He got us to say it. <laughs> there you go. And it must be bad because if he's comparing the Steelers to that, that's yeah. not good. Uh, another dollar ninety nine from Monster Nineteen is glad it wasn't a loss, but sheesh, sheesh is a good way to describe it. All right, let's let's talk about. Um, there's not much to, I feel like this is a, a horrible game to, to have to discuss in length, but we're going to do it anyways. Uh, David, if there was, you, we did talk about Matt Canada and the play calling and you kind of thought that it was a product of the way the game was, was unfolding. Uh, is there anything on offense? I mean, we don't even know if Ben Roethlisberger is going to be back next week uh, based on the NFL protocols. It depends on him testing negative. I think two straight times before yeah. he can return. Uh, Mike Tomlin did say after the game when he was asked about it that they do a good job of kind of keeping Roethlisberger isolated anyways to hope of, you know, just in case if, if there is some type of outbreak on the team, he wouldn't be a close contact or anything like that. So he said they're not really worried about get, having other players test positive. So that's not bad. But it where, where's the hope for this offense moving forward looking at their situation going into week 11 it's i mean everywhere it's it's the injuries and the people that are out i mean my my goodness is chase claypool going to be able to come back for week 11 i don't know because 
when you say somebody's week to week, you're not thinking about, are they going to play this week? You're thinking about, are they going to be able to play the next week? You know, don't know if Rothberger's back. Don't know the guard situation. Someone said it in the live chat as I'm flipping around looking at other things. I did see one of these and said, uh, the injury situation is more concerning than the fact that they tied the game. Um, and I honestly, I don't know that I can disagree with that, with that statement, that that's, that, that, that is, that it's the injuries and everything moving forward. So we'll the get to the about, defense though. Yeah. The thing about the offense is this, I mean, everyone loves the Tomlinisms. The standard is a standard, <clears throat> excuse me, next man up, yada, 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 all that stuff. But when it comes down to facts and you lose two starting guards, you're already down your best wide receiver, some would say, in Chase Claypool. You don't have your starting quarterback available, and everyone can say all they want, and I did it on the podcast as well, trying to spin this in a positive light. That's just who I am. It does handicap your offense a lot. Yeah. Um, and so the, the Steelers and Matt Canada had to probably stick with plays that they were comfortable with, that Mason Rudolph was comfortable with, that you know, not having Chase Claypool – you know, you're having to rely on on Ray Ray McLeod for nine catches. That's the type of day it was. Fifty throws in that weather. It's it's a situation where for me it's like okay, this this group this offense since we're talking about offense in this in this segment of the podcast, it was tough. It was tough sledding, and it was should be should have been expected to be tough sledding. I said I I thought of, I I said twenty four thirteen. I kept my prediction the same, but. If they if, if Najee Harris's touchdown counts, it's a different story altogether. If they don't fumble the football as many times as they do, especially in overtime. But go ahead, Dave. You want to say something? I'm just let's just go back to September 5th, you know, leading into week one. If we would have said at the midpoint of the season, we'd be dealing with with a game where where Mason Rudolph is taking snaps while Joe Hegg is playing guard with J.C. Hassenauer and 12 targets are going to Ray Ray McLeod while Derek Tuska or Taco Charlton is playing opposite of Alex Highsmith, we would have been like, who, what, and where? You know what, what? I'm saying? What I in mean, the world happened? What, what went yes. down? Where are we? And it's But the thing is, it's just when you see where what ended up having to happen by the end of this game, even how it got there throughout this game, let alone how it got there throughout this season. And it's like, you've got no Juju Smith-Schuster. you got no Chase Claypool. I mean, Najee's being Najee, but he might have been dinged up to take more than the more than the 26 carries and how many receptions he had. Hold on. Four, Four. receptions he already had out of the 30 touches that he had, I, whether he was or he wasn't. But, I mean, my goodness. And you had to do it in the rain. It's just it, – it's ridiculous. And yet the Steelers still should have won this game. I mean – as I'm sitting on your couch, I'm, I'm I was afraid to say the words out loud to you. I was afraid to say the words out loud to you, but I'm like, this is the kind of game where it feels like the Steelers are just going to turn it over and hand the field goal to the Lions. Well, they turned it over twice. They just didn't hand the field goal to the Lions, and that's why, rather than losing the game, they just weren't able to win it. Offensively, it kind of felt like if it could go wrong, it did go wrong. Yeah. It was one of those games, and. You can always have – I think most teams have one of those games at least a season where it's like, man, if it could go wrong, it went wrong. Most would say the Baltimore, they would say that on Thursday night down in Miami. You look at Tampa Bay, they've lost two straight games after losing to Washington uh, this Sunday. So it does happen in the NFL. I'm not excusing the Steelers' performance, but there are games where, like, man, if it could have gone wrong, it went wrong in this game. And I would say that this was the one for the Steelers. 
Sean Manahan gives us two dollars is after two high snaps. Mason should have been under center. Yeah, mm. I, I could I could see that, but at the same time, you, you gotta run your offense. You yeah. gotta run the offense. So um, all right. Tell you what, enough of the offense. There's a lot yeah. to talk about on the defensive oh, side. If you're listening on the podcast side, hit part two. If you're watching this live on Facebook or YouTube, stay tuned. We're not going anywhere. We will be right back. 